Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Give to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you. Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App. And make a donation to dollar sign E James, the number 418. Make a one time donation to the Cash App, or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Heal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I am your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can live a life that is whole, healed, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with their problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill their purpose. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, If you haven't already, like, subscribe, uh, even go to Spotify, give us a rating uh, for the podcast. It'll definitely help us out. Uh, we are in season two, episode number 27. And just like any other episode, we are here with our uh, one of our special guests. Today, we have Miss Haley Lisa. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Ernest. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. First of all, let me say thank you for being on. I know you could be doing anything else at this time, but you are here with me and I definitely appreciate it. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump right in and Miss Haley, uh, why don't you tell our listeners, uh, who you are and what it is that you do? Well, I, my name is Haley Lisa and I'm better known as the divorce coach for men. Uh, that is the name of the website, the divorce coach for men.com. And I help men go through the divorce process and navigate the choppy waters and help them reclaim their power as they're going through the process. And which it entails so much in everything about the uh, divorce process, whether it's getting through the divorce, co-parenting, life after the divorce, every facet of it. Um, and it's usually a big chapter of someone's life. So there's a lot to, to navigate through. Man, I, and I, first of all, let me say, I, I thank you for, for being uh, who you are for doing that type of work. Uh, unfortunately, I have experienced going through a divorce myself. So I'm sure at, at some point I could have used your help. <laughs> but... Um, is is rare. I've I've had a couple on my on the podcast, but it still is rare when I come across women who uh, are in the business of helping men. Um, there definitely is a lot of support uh, for women for different things, especially when it comes to marriage uh, and divorce. There's a lot of support for women, um, but I I've found that in some cases there's not so much support for men and less is by other men. So I'm always intrigued and happy at the same time when I'm able to come across someone who's, uh, who's a woman and 
who is looking out for men. So what what was it that made you decide to help men instead of just going with the norm and, and working with women? That's always the million dollar question that I've been asked for 10 years. And, <laughs> <laughs> and like you, I, I also have been divorced, not once, but twice. I've, I have um, filed for divorce twice from um, my husband's. And, you know, it was at, during my second divorce, uh, I divorced my husband um, for that we were married nearly 20 years. And as we were going through it, I, I realized there was so much support for women, like you just said, whether it's Facebook groups, therapists, divorce coaches were just, um, you know, beginning to, you know, make a presence. Um, whereas men, there was nothing. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, if, if he had support, I think this would go so much better for him, even though it was an amicable divorce, my second divorce. There was nothing available, you know, it, 10 years ago, especially. But, you know, so much has changed in those 10 years, but really just for women and especially moms. You know, mm. if you're a mom out there who's going through a divorce, there's a plethora of resources for you. But sadly, there is very few for men. And I also realized and looked at it through the lens of a mother. My son is now 28, but I also realized that if he were to get married and God forbid have to get a divorce down the road, would there, I asked myself, would there be resources for him? Or is he going to find himself like men do today with almost no support? Um, and men are not supported. They're so underrepresented in the divorce process. But I have to tell you, Ernest, it's, it's a challenge, you know, as a female to be a supporter and work with men. And I say that because you, you get a lot of slack. I'm going to be very honest with you. Yeah. Women, you know, will be your biggest critic. Um, they will, you know, refer to you as, you know, a traitor. You're not supportive of women. You don't like women if you're supporting men. It couldn't be farther from the truth. The fact is, I am a woman. Of course, I support women. I, I like women. But because I help men does not necessarily mean I, I don't support women. And I try to make it clear to people that I'm helping the family. When I'm working with a client, okay, my ultimate goal for him, and I tell them that early on in the process, is for him to have a very healthy co-parenting relationship with his ex. That's the ultimate goal. And with that being said, I'm trying to get him to be a team player with her. OK, so in essence, I'm helping the whole family, but just, you know, on the back end with men. But women sometimes don't want to see that, sadly. And so you have to have thick skin, I think, if you're a female and, and support men. Yeah, one I, I follow a, a young lady on uh, TikTok and uh, on there she has man, like maybe like five hundred thousand followers or whatever. And, but her, her platform is for, you know, supporting men, you know, uh, mainly in relationships, you know, and she's like, you know, you know, we got to do better as women, whatever, whatever. And she often posts because her biggest critics are women, you know, and it's like, how, how, why are you mad at me? Because I want you to treat your man right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it, it don't make sense. And then I always say, you know, even if that's your, your viewpoint, you know, do you have children like, like yourself? Do you have a son? So what is it that you want for your son? Do you want your son to be treated the way you're treating, you know, whoever, or would you like your son to be treated correctly? Because your son is a man. And at, at one point he's going to come across, you know, a young lady that he's going to like. And so what kind of treatment do you want him to receive from her? And, and like you said, if you end up, if they end up going to divorce and through a divorce, you know, do you want him to have support? You know, like take yourself out of it for a minute, you know, and look at it from, from that viewpoint. But like you said, I, why it is, I have no idea, but it's like women seem to feel like so threatened, you know, when there's help for men, 
you know, and it's like, there's so much, like you mentioned, so much help for women. It's like, so why, why are you upset? If you want the help and you see how much help and support there is for you and the things that you're dealing with, why would you not want that for, let's just say your brother or your uncle or your son, you know, why wouldn't you want that same support for them? I, and I don't have the answer to it. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a theory on that. And I, my theory is this, that men in our society, okay, have been painted uh, um, as the villain and the aggressor, okay, in the divorce story. It's in, it's out, it's played out in Hollywood movies, mm -hmm. and, uh, social media, and uh, sadly, you know, Americans and, you know, also Canadians um, view men as always the aggressor, and they're the bad guy in the story. And the moment you have someone shedding light on the fact that that is not true, not necessarily true at all. And if it's coming from a woman who is shedding light on that truth, you are going to get a lot of critics. You're going to get, I've lost friendships along the way. People, women who just felt that it was either my friendship with them or support men, you know, which is very sad. But I, that is my theory on that, that women don't want that narrative to go away. Because if they do, then maybe the family courts won't be so biased against men. Because let me tell you, Ernest, I don't know if you ever had to go through family court, but that is not a good place for a man to wind up is family court. Yeah. Un un unfortunately, I have been there. Okay. Uh, and, and the state of Indiana, which is where I am now, is a woman's state. So is the laws, especially in the family law, uh, family division is set up to support the women. Yes. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that a, a little bit later because I, I have a, <laughs> I have my own uh, thing on that. But it's, 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 it's a, it's a storyline, like you said, it's a, uh, it's a storyline that's been passed down from generation to generation. Um, and, you know, I remember when I was younger, um, uh, probably was eighth grade. No, I don't think I was eighth, maybe seventh grade. And it was the first time that I seen a girl beat up a guy, you know, <laughs> and the whole thing behind it was they got into an altercation, you know, it was a girl and a guy. And the guy said, I'm not going to hit you. You know, he's like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't hit girls, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that were, in her mind, that was the green light. And so she just attacked him, you know, and I'm looking at it and he's still saying, you know, he's like backing up or whatever. And he's like, I'm not going to hit you. But at the same time, she's punching him and hitting him and, and everything. And I'm like, that's 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 it right there. It's like, you know, if someone was to come and say, well, a girl and a guy got into an altercation, you automatically think, oh, he's wrong for doing this or whatever. But when it, in reality, the woman was the aggressor. And, you know, there are times when the women are the, the aggressor in, you know, whether it be in marriage and whatever the situation is. And because that narrative is so painted as the women being the, the victim that you have all the support for them, even in their wrong, you know, even when they're wrong, there's still support for them, you know, and, and like when we talk about, I know one of the things that I wanted to bring up was uh, parental alienation. Um, and I want you to talk about that a little bit, but even in, in those situations where, uh, the child is, is separated from the other parent, you know, it's automatically like, oh, well, the child needs to be with the mom because the dad must've did something wrong. And it's like, no, that's not always the case. And in some cases, it, I'll, I'll speak for my case, uh, specifically when I got divorced, um, uh, with my first marriage and, you know, in Indiana, like I said, it's a woman's state. So it was automatically like, okay, the child goes with the mom, you know, and it's like, I had no say so. And it's like, oh, you want the child to be with you? Oh, well, you got to prove to me that you're worthy. And I'm like, <clears throat> why is that? She don't have to prove that she's worth not saying that she wasn't, but it was just the bias that mm -hmm. automatically, you know, I'm kicked to the side as the parent and I have to prove my worth as a father just to be in my, my daughter's life, you know, as I should be. You know, and it's is I I'm, you know, still like I said, I don't have the answers. I don't know why that is. But um, one of my questions is, even with the the uh, parental alienation. First of all, I would like to to define it. 
um, <laughs> for those who don't know what it is. But one of my questions is that I've found, uh, which is I think is crazy to me, is that a lot of the parents who commit uh, parental alienation at some point themselves was alienated from a parent. And it's like, to me, I would think that you would be able to look past that and be like, you know what, I understood what I went through, you know, being with one parent and not the other. So I don't want to afflict that on my child. But in reality, I find that it's, it's not that way. It's, it's almost as if they're like, well, I turned out okay, so it's going to be okay for them. You know, so how would you, I mean, how would you address that? First of all, again, like I said, kind of explain uh, the definition of, of parental alienation and then, you know, kind of how would you, uh, or should I just say, what's been your experience with it? Well, first, let me just touch on one other thing to back up. You you were talking about, you know, women being the aggressor and I couldn't agree with you more, Ernest. Um, a few weeks ago, I wrote a blog titled, Who is Truly the Aggressor? You know, and I, I put it on the website and social media I cannot tell you, okay, the response from women. My social media blew up with messages because I was shedding light that men are not always the aggressor. And they mm -hmm. did they did not want to hear that. And it it's it was amazing to me that that simple little blog, which was not painting all women as aggressors, right. but shedding light that it's, you know, it it's 50-50. I mean, I mean, it's not always the man. Um, it really touched a nerve. It, it was interesting to see that. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but as far as um, parental alienation, that is when a parent, we'll call them, the, they're, they're the alienator. They are going to emotionally, psychologically manipulate the children um, against the, the father or the mother, but let's say the other parent, which is the targeted parent. Mm -hmm. So um, they are going to do their best emotionally to pretty much brainwash them into rejecting, fearing, um, hating that targeted parent. And I'm here to say that it's most often men are the victims of parental alienation. Okay. Most women are the, um, the alienator in, in, in custody issues. You know, I am doing this 10 years. I don't know if I've met even two or three men who were actually trying to alienate their children from their mother. Whereas early on, and that's one of the reasons actually I decided also to work with men early on in my practice, I was working with both men and women. And I saw women coming to me, you know, early on in the process with an agenda. And that agenda was to basically alienate and sever that relationship between father and children. And they were going to create a narrative, you know, for the courts, for their, and, and for their children to believe. And it, and it's so sad because I, I don't believe they realize the detrimental effects mm -hmm. it has. And you, you said something where a lot of people who are the alienating parent are victims of it themselves when they were growing up and why do they continue I don't think when they were being raised, they realized what was happening that, you know, they were probably thinking this is the norm. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore it becomes a cycle. And I've seen generations of parental alienation run in families. And it's only now today in the last, I'd say five years that we're actually, you know, talking about it. There was no such term as parental alienation, you know, 20 years ago, you never heard of such right. a term, but I believe it's it's people like that who, who who had that in their own childhood. They don't recognize it. You know, it's like they, they're going through life, you know, with this false representative of reality, you know, that, you know, because they missed out, you know, whether it was a father or mother, you know, in their life. So it's it's how they're wired. Yeah. And I I really I. I, I can't necessarily uh, comprehend it or or sympathize with them. Uh, that's not the word I want to use, but I'll use that because I was raised in a two-parent household, you know, okay. so I don't necessarily have the experience of, you know, one or the other, whether my father wasn't there or my mother wasn't there. They both were there. 
you know, my entire life. Um, so I, I don't know what that experience is to have one parent, you know, and, but having the experience of having both parents, um, to me, that has always been the goal, you know? So even when I was in the uh, situation with my daughter after being divorced and, you know, now have to figure out this whole co-parenting thing and how this is going to work uh, and definitely being in the court, uh, which we can talk about that a little bit, um, is is like the, the, the playing field is so unlevel, you know, it's so weighted down on one side, you know, with the courts. Um, I, I, I don't even know why it haven't even been an overhaul. And, I, and, and so I'm going to ask you uh, just... In your case or in your experience, what would be some of the biases that you've seen in the in the criminal, uh, not criminal, it should be criminal, <laughs> but in the family courts, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, against men? Because I would rather you do, excuse me, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I would rather you uh, bring it up because I don't want it to seem like, oh, just another man talking about the courts or whatever. No, it, it's it's a truth that there is a bias in the family court. So oh, yes. I would like you to just speak on just some of the, the biases that you've uh, come across in your time of working with men, um, you know, and and how it, it even affected some of the, the people that you've worked with, like how it affected some of the outcomes. Well, you know, I will say this. Yesterday, I, this is a great example. Yesterday, I did a consultation with a gentleman and he's in Southern California. And he was telling me that he has been going through a, a contentious divorce for a year and a half. They have a, a, a three-year-old daughter and his wife is looking to relocate to uh, the state of Texas for no other reason other than, you know, just wanting to move to Texas. Um, she's been a resident of California for 25 years. He is born and raised in California, has a family business. He's only known California. His daughter has only known California. Well, he was telling me yesterday during this consultation that in California, what they do is they appoint, they call them a child evaluator. And this child evaluator will conduct their um, interviews, obviously, with both parents, parent and child, and so forth, and come up with a finding. And so the, this child evaluator is put in this position where they have to choose mom or dad because she wants to leave the state. So the child evaluator came back and said, well, if, if, if he had to absolutely choose, even though this man is a wonderful father, I'm going to say the child would be best with the mother. OK, because of that, she is now going to be able to leave and go to Texas. I find that heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching to hear. You know, it, years ago, if if you were um, wanting to leave the state and you, you know, and you went through a divorce, you had to prove unusual circumstances, you know, that you couldn't make a living, you had no support. I mean, it had to be extreme, mm -hmm. you know, but now things have changed so drastically that, um, it, especially like in California, where you don't have to prove unusual circumstances. And so this woman is now most likely in the next six months going to be allowed to leave. So when you, that's the first, you know, to me, that's a major bias right there. When, you know, you, a court is appointing a child evaluator, you know, to choose mom or dad, there shouldn't be a choice. It should be equal shared parenting. And, right. and you know, I, I I don't know. It just it really touched a nerve yesterday listening to this man and, you know, doing everything for his daughter. But sadly, she's going to leave the state most likely. And now he's going to have to continue this relationship, you know, by flying out to Texas twice a month. That's terrible. But my question is, would they do that with a with a dad? Would, mm -hmm. would they do that and say, here, let's give the child to the father and mom, you can leave the state and mom can just fly out, you know, and, and see the child. I highly doubt that. I know that's probably controversial to say, but I don't believe they would do that if the roles were reversed. And so, you know, my the biggest bias I see, obviously, is is custody, the, the, the shared parenting time. Mm 
And, you know, I'm like you, why isn't it that we don't have an overhaul of the family court system in every state? You know, um, every state, to me, in my opinion, the starting point should always be equal shared parenting. Mom right. and dad are both going to start off with 50-50. Now, if there's issues such as abuse, alcoholism, drug use, whatever it is, of course, then that would dictate otherwise. But the starting point, a man should be able to walk into court, Ernest, and not fear that he is not going to even have a 30% shared parenting time. And I'm here to tell you, I talk to men every week and I talk to men usually the night before they're going into their custody hearing and they don't walk out usually with 50-50. Right. And it's very, very sad. The second bias I see all the time is, you know, I'm going to say something again that I'm probably, you're probably going to get some comments. <laughs> I'm going to say it though. Alimony. Alimony and child support. It is not fair. I mean, I have men who, you know, first of all, I work with men who are wonderful fathers. Okay. Wonderful fathers. And they pay their child support and they pay the alimony that they have to. But when I see what they have to pay, I, 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 it, I can't believe it. It doesn't resonate with me. How is it that, you know, a woman wants $3,000 a month for her wardrobe, you mm. know, and, and, and this, you know, I, I think it's so unfair with not just alimony, but the child support, you know, if, if a father, let's just say hypothetically gets 50, 50, why is he paying so much in child support? The children are only with him 50% of the time and they're only with the mother 50% of the time. So those are the three major biases I see personally is in the family courts that I see all the time. Yeah. And I was, I was just going to let you say it, you know, but I, I, I definitely, uh, again, with me having gone through divorce and, and actually having to be in that court and be in that, you know, in that space, I definitely agree 100%. You know, like I said, in Indiana, it's a woman's state. So before you even step in the court, you already know the child is going with the mother, for one. You know, you already know you're going to be uh, paying child support um, that may not even be reasonable. You know, um, in, in my case, what one of the one of the things that happened with me, one of the, actually, the last time that I actually had to go to court and stand before the judge, um, with child support, I, I work in construction, you okay. know, and so out here in, in the Chicagoland area, you know, we have winners and when the winners come, we don't work, you know, but this is, this is every year. It's, it's nothing new. It's not a, you know, <laughs> a, epiphany. This is what happens. Yeah. Um, but I will always find myself uh, in the winners standing before this judge and the judge saying, uh, why have you been late on child support? Uh, same reason I was late last year. You know what I mean? It's like it's winter time, work is slow, we're not working, you know. Uh, but what I would do when I found my taxes, I would take my taxes, I would pay, you know, wherever I'm back, get back on track and run through the summer, you know, and it'd be no problem. And so, but this was every year, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm coming for this judge every year, and I'm like, Your Honor, it's the same thing last year, the same thing I told you last year, you know what I mean? And the very last time that I was there. She was like, well, we're going to help you catch up, you know, so we're going to increase your child support by $50 oh. a week. So my child support went up an extra $200, you know, and I'm like, how is that helping me? You know what I mean? I'm like that is, you know, and it, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, it was like nothing to her, you know, she was just like, oh, so yeah, you're working now. I'm like, yeah, I'm back to work now. It's getting warm. You know, we're starting to work and starting back up. Oh, okay. So we're going to help you catch up on your child support. We're going to increase it by 50 bucks a month. I mean, a week, which is an extra 200 bucks a month. And, you know, and that's what it is until she changed it back. So from that day on, I was paying an extra $200, you know, a month more than I was already paying. Right. But my thing was, if the reason why we're here, knowing that every year in the winter, things get slow, you know, payment is going to get behind because the work is not there for me to support myself, let alone support, you know, my child or, or anything else. 
why would you then stack the deck against me already knowing that, you know, and, and that's one of the things with the, the child support um, and just with the system as a, as a whole, but definitely with the child support, it's just like, is is crazy and it's, it's not new. You know, I think that's the, the thing that amazes me the most. Like, it's not a new problem. It's something that's been going on for years and years and years, and it's not new. And and it actually, to me, it seems that it's gotten worse over the years uh, now, especially, you know, with the child support, where it's like, okay, if you get behind so much, like, okay, now we're going to throw you in jail. Yes. Well, if you throw me in jail, now I can't work. Now I can't support my child. Now I can't, you know, it's like, so... It, it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm already in a bad place and to make things better in your case, you're going to put me in a worse state, you know? So now you lock me up and I lose my job. Now there's no income coming in for anyone, you know? And it's like, it, it doesn't make sense. And we have the people in charge, the judges who are supposed to be the ones that's smart enough to make these decisions or can choose to uphold, you know, whatever decision that they make. And it's like, really, you, that's, that's what you came up with. You know, it's like, here's the thing. Well, it, it, they're setting you up for failure, really. Mm -hmm. And especially in your case, you know, you would think that in your case, it would be stipulated in your agreement that the months of, you know, October through um, late April, mm -hmm. child support goes down, it's adjusted. You know, and and so you don't have to keep going into court year after year after year. So th it's like they're setting you up for failure. And the other thing is, the reason they don't want to make make it make sense is because it, they don't want to lose the money. Mm. They don't. The states don't want to lose the money they're making. They make a fortune. It's billions of dollars every year that these states are making off of you know child support. And. Mm. and it, it, yeah, it it's it's not good. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get off child support. <laughs> and, and and the foster care system. That's really what I meant to say is that they make they make money on the foster care system. You know, they're quick to put the kids in foster care because again, mm -hmm. it's a money maker for the states. Yeah, um, and that's and that's one thing that I've I've never quite understood either. How you would take a child and put them in foster care without first um putting them with the other parent you know right. it's like because I've, I've even had heard stories of you know dads having to fight to get their child out of foster mm -hmm. care because the court for whatever reason whether the mom gave the child up or the courts took the child away from the mom but they put the child in foster you know in a system without even notifying the father without even you know that should be the first person that you notify you know, when it comes to your, your child. And then, so these fathers are left fighting the system to get their own children back, you know, mm -hmm. when that, it shouldn't even be like that. It's, they, that should have been the first person that they uh, communicated with to have these children because it's their children, you know? Right. right. And it's not an easy process. Like you said, you said it, they have to fight. It literally becomes this fight. They have to go through all the red tape and jump through hoops to get their child out of foster care. Absolutely. It's awful. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't understand it. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna get off the <laughs> we're gonna get off the system because we'll be on there forever. Yes. But with just talking about um, you know, not necessarily the system, but just men and divorce, um, I've I've found that it's it's a misconception of even with, with men and divorce, uh, first of all, because a lot of women don't think that or don't feel that men are affected by divorce, you know, mm -hmm. like, Oh, you guys just, you know, keep it moving and, and move on and you're not affected at all. And, and I think that's kind of even adds on to why uh, the system is set up like it is, but because it's like, Oh, it don't affect, you know, it don't affect the dad anyway. So we're just going to put everything towards the mom because she's the ones that's affected the most. Um, so I know in, in, in my case, uh, it was not necessarily, I, I didn't have a bad divorce. You know, uh, there definitely were some, some things that could have gone better. Um, you know, just from the, from the point of the system. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But even in the midst of that, you know, I was separated from my child, you know, uh, you know, once we separated homes, um, you know, now you're going through that uh, visitation schedule and then you only got certain days that you see the child and mm -hmm. all of that. And I was definitely uh, affected by it 100 percent. So what what would be some of the stories or something that maybe you have uh, experienced firsthand with some of the fathers that you've worked with? Um, even just expressing how they were feeling going through this, this process, because again, it's like, you know, they think, uh, some people think that we're, we're not affected, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, he, he's going to get over it, you know, but the, again, the woman got all this support, um, because she's the one that, that needs it. But it's like, yeah, but the men are affected just as much. So what, what has been some of your, uh, experience in that, you know, and even some of the stories of some of the fathers um, expressing to you, you know, their emotions and everything going through this process of divorce. Ernest, men hurt too. And I say that all the time. And we, you know it, men know it. Um, however, society doesn't want to acknowledge that fact, you know, and women do have the attitude, like you said, or this mindset, I should say that, you know, uh, the divorce does not affect a man. He moves on. It's not true at all. You know, men and women are wired so differently. And so I'm here to say that men, first of all, men are more likely to fall into a very deep depression, more likely than women. Did you know that the suicide rate, men, men are eight times more likely to commit suicide during a high conflict divorce or custody issue than a woman? That's a, that's a fact. Mm. That right there tells you that men are gravely affected by divorce or, you know, the separation of, you know, from their child. Um, they have depression and men, men resort to behaviors to cope. Okay. Such as alcohol, um, sexual behaviors. Um, maybe they'll work too much, you mm -hmm. know, uh, anything to even avoid the new home. But that's how men usually try and cope with the, you know, the stress and the anxiety. Um, but I have to say that once a man reaches out for help, and that's usually the biggest stumbling block for men, you know, women are more likely to, to reach out for a support, you know, that they tend to foster good relationships with people. And so when the time of a divorce hits, women usually have like these solid friendships and support systems already in place, whereas men don't usually have that. So I, my, I always say, uh, you know, reaching out for help is an act of bravery for men because, you know, they are told from a very early age that they need to be tough, that the boys can't cry. If they fall, they need to just get up and, you know, deal with it. And it's really a disservice when we are raising our, our, you know, our young boys, you know, when my son was young, he's 28. Now I always told him from an early age, it's okay to cry. It's okay to, to fall and, and be heard and, and, and acknowledge that, you know, and you don't always have to win at something, you know, and we, we raise, you know, our society raises, boys to grow up to be these men who, you know, now feel that they can't reach out for help. Um, but they are hurting. They are, they are desperately hurting. And when men come to me, you know, it's interesting that, you know, at first, you know, their guard is up because, you know, they're maybe a little embarrassed because again, they want to be seen as, as what we call a man, you know, strong and not mm -hmm. emotions. But the moment you ask them, you know, direct questions like, how are you really feeling? Boy, they, they just, it just comes right out. You know, they, they are in such hurt and they too have, to, you know, the anxiety, the stress, but we think that, you know, men um, just move on and they, they, they don't even miss their children when the kids are not there. That is so far from the truth. I had, right. People think that when dad's you know, don't have the kids, that it's just one big uh, bachelor social life, you know, and they're, they're not missing the kids. So far from the truth. It's on weekends that I hear from my clients who are so sad and because they're not with their kids and they, they're missing them terribly and they don't know really how to cope with that. So I'm here to tell you or tell your viewers, 
men hurt. They hurt just as much as women. Their, their mental health takes a bigger hit than women do actually going through a divorce, hence why the suicide rate, sadly, is so high. Yeah, you know what? And, and, and you touched on, on three things uh, that I want to speak on that I definitely uh, agree with you. Um, one of them was the fact that men do hurt. You know, and uh, from that experience, I can speak for myself, you know, of my experience of, of going through divorce and being separated from my daughter. And, and you know, um, my daughter, <laughs> my daughter would often, you know, growing up, she everyone would call her my shadow because everywhere I was at, she was with me, you know. And so to go from, you know, uh, if you can think of a, a person that's walking out in the in the sun and you, your shadow is right behind you everywhere you go. And now one day you walk out and the sun is still shining, but there's no shadow, you know, yeah. there's no one behind you, you know. And so even with that, definitely I, I understand um, that there is some hurt there from men when you're going through this this process. And the second thing that you you mentioned was even the suicide of men going up, especially going through, um, you know, a, a, a heavy divorce. And my situation, even I contemplated suicide, and I talk about it all the time because mm -hmm. I wanted I wanted to get it out that you know it's not unnormal, you know, that everyone can be under so much pressure at some point in their life where they think about it. And I think it's, it's more common than we like to admit that sometimes we're under immense pressure, you know, and immense stress and emotional stress um, that we, there are some times when we think about it. And unfortunately uh, for me during that time period, I was going through divorce, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I was going through a, a heavy debt, um, uh, being laid off from work and things like that. And on top of all of that, in that same time period, my mom passed away. And so mm -hmm. it was that whole, that whole uh, load that was on me in that time period, you know, plus adding with the divorce that I contemplated suicide myself. And, you know, one of the things that was able to help pull me out of that was to change my focus off myself and focus on my daughter you know, and be like, you know, where would her life be like without me, you know, and that helped pull me back, you know, from the edge that I, that I was at. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to, to mention is, you know, I was actually having this conversation the other day with someone and they was like, well, it seems like men just move on so quickly, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, that's, that's not necessarily the case. And, and so this is how I, I explain it. Men, uh, men don't move on quickly we just move on when we see that it's finally over. Yes. Because you know, generally, while we're still fighting, especially, I, I'm talking about, you know, good, devoted husbands, not men who cheated, not those men, but men who really love their family and love their spouse and love their children and love the, the life that they've built. We're in it for the fight as long as we know that there's something that's there to fight for. So when we get to the point where we realize, okay, it's over, then it's over, you know, mm -hmm. then it's time to move. And when it's time to move and it seems like we're, we move, get over things so quickly, the way I explain it is men work through stuff by working on stuff. Right. So, like right. So I can't work on this marriage anymore because it's over. So now I have to find something else to work on, you know? And so again, that could be picking up more, uh, work more, at work or work more uh, at your leisure, work more into other substances. I have to find something to fill this void. And the way I ex explained it was in the beginning, in the garden, when men messed up, you know, with the uh, situation with Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. when God uh, told Adam, what he said was you messed up. So now you have to till the land. Now you have to work. And so our, our uh, defense mechanism, when something is broken, we find something to work on. You know, it's like, oh, it didn't work. I got to find something to work. And unfortunately, uh, from the outside looking in, you know, maybe from the, the ex-wife or whatever, it's like, oh, you just went right into another relationship. Well, not necessarily. I'm just looking for something to work on. And that just happened to be the thing that I found to work on. You know? <laughs> but that's so true what you're saying. That That is so true. And I say that because... Um, I, I've heard the same thing, how, you know, from women, like, you know, they just, men just move on. 
But, you know, early on when I was working, I worked with both men and women in the very early years. I decided I needed to work with just men. And let me, another reason was because I found what you just said to be true. Men wanted to move, to work on what was wrong, you know, fix it and then move on. Men did not want to stay stuck. They didn't want to stay as, see themselves as a victim. And the women who were coming to me, and I'm not saying this is about all women, not at all, but Mm -hmm. the women who were coming to me really did not want to do the work to move forward. They wanted to remain in this, this story and, and, and also this, you know, label of a victim. And, you know, here the, the men were just wanting to do the work, heal and, and get on with their life. And, and what's wrong with that? You know, I mean, but for some reason, you know, again, people think, oh, well, clearly he doesn't hurt. Well, no, that's not true. He's doing the work. You know, um, he's not wanting to stay stuck, you know, but people don't know that that man may be on medication because he's he's got severe depression or anxiety. You know, we're very quick to just judge what we see from the outside when we have no clue what's really going on. Right. Definitely not. And and that's why, again, I, I appreciate your, the work that you do, um, especially as a woman working with men and, and being brave enough <laughs> to, to step in that arena. Because like we mentioned earlier, you know, when you when you decide to stand up uh, against the norm, you know, it's unfortunate that some of your biggest critics would be other women. And, you know, so I applaud you, Thank um, you. and as well as some of the other guests that I've had on. Um, women who work with men, you know, doing different um, parts of them lives to help help them to heal. So again, I, I want to thank you so much for this conversation. It's, it's really been enlightened. I'm really glad that, you know, again, that you do the work that you do. Um, so uh, last thing, I'll let you have the last, the last say so. Uh, to leave us with some kind of uh, a ray of hope, I guess, <laughs> to some of the men that may be uh, going through uh, divorce at this time, or even you know something to the the women, uh, the the ex wives, whatever you want to call them, you know, to let them know that uh, uh, the men are are human too, you know. But I, I'll let you have to have you decide to address that. Um, you are also uh, give give my listeners your. Uh, uh, information where they can uh, get in contact with you, where they can follow you at, all of those type things, all your social media handles, and I'll let you have the last word. So the floor is yours. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me, and thank you for shedding light on this subject. You know about men. Um, first, let me say to your female viewers out there, I love women. <laughs> I support women, <laughs> but I am I'm helping I'm helping you too. Um, you may not see it that way, but I'm helping the family. I, I have men come to me sometimes who are very angry and, you know, you know, don't want to play ball, you know, and be fair and, and co-parent healthy in a healthy manner. But I get them to that point where they do. And therefore, it helps you out there, you know. And so I want I want women to also think about that the next time they want to um you know, chastise a woman for supporting men, you know, and and give them a little slack and think about that, that maybe they are also being impacted by, you know, a woman helping maybe her ex-husband, you know, to be, you know, a team player with her, really. Mm-hmm. And, and to your male viewers out there who are possibly going through a divorce or custody issue, I want to tell you, A, there is support out there, you know, and B, um, reaching out for support is vital. It, it's an act of bravery. I don't say that loosely. I mean every word of it. You know, you are not going to go through this without it, without being unscathed, without it affecting your mental health. I, like Ernest, you had said, saddened to hear that, that you contemplated suicide. So therefore, for the sake of your children, you know, mm-hmm. reach out for support, you know, and, and, and get yourself a lifeline and somebody who will be there unconditionally for you, because we all know that you hurt just as much as women do. Um, so if, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I always do a one hour free consultation just to see what's going on, if we're a good fit. But um, but sometimes it's just taking that step. You know, it doesn't cost you a penny just to, you know, you know, hear something from a, mm-hmm. from a woman and someone who's unbiased as well. Um, my, my website, excuse me, is thedivorcecoachformen.com. Uh, 
I can also um, be reached on Instagram. Same thing, the divorce coach for men. And um, that's where I'm always posting. But if you go on my website, there's a lot of blogs too that, you know, will help you possibly with parental alienation, what to look for, how to deal with it. Um, but I, I do say that there is always light at the end of the tunnel. And if you don't think there is, I'm here to tell you there is. And I would be happy to, you know, talk to you and speak to you about it for an hour free, um, no obligation, but just, you know, to shed light that there is light at the end of the tunnel. All right. All right. I, I think that within itself, just having that conversation is would be yeah. a great uh, breakthrough for, for most men. Uh, Haley, again, I want to thank you so much for, for being on. Uh, I've, I've truly been enlightened with this conversation and I know that the listeners will find some substance in it. Um, I hope that if there's some um, ex-wife or you know, uh, mom that, you know, would look at their situation a little bit different now. And again, like I said earlier, take yourself out of it for a minute and just think about, you know, how would you like your brother to be treated? How would you like your son to be treated? How would you like, you know, your, your uncles to be treated if they had to stand, you know, if they unfortunately had to go through a divorce, but if that was their situation, how would you like to be, how would you like for them to be treated in the midst of it. And I'm sure if you look at it from that point of view, you would, you know, they would also agree that they want them to be treated fairly. So again, Haley, thank you so much for, mm -hmm. uh, for being on. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, again, this is the deal to heal with E. James podcast. And our mission is to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain and to feel, fulfill your purpose. So until next time, we will see you guys next week. Be blessed. Hey, guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730 in order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right. See you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Remember to listen, like, subscribe, and share. This episode has been brought to you by Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealtohealtees.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem. Heal from the pain and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.